Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. You know, Apex is much better than Carrie. I don't care what they say. <laughs> and I, Holly I keep, Springs is the best of all. I keep thinking Ajax, you know, like where Wile E. Coyote uh, bought all his stuff. I keep That's what I keep thinking of. That was well, Ajax, Carrie, right? Carrie containment area for resettled Yankees, but Apex <laughs> is actually... Like real people. Oh, okay. we, we still have pigs and chickens and stuff like that. Yeah, I got uh, chickens. See, do you have chickens? Um, we should get our. We should have like a play date with our chickens. Welcome to the Chicken Junkie Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Where well, we no, talk that's about that's chickens. even how I know. That's even how I know how uh, Holly Springs <laughs> is there because I used to go down to Sumner Bird Farm and, and get my silkies down there. Uh, also joining us is your co-host Hunter. Today is an auspicious day. Uh, so really yeah, was, it really is. Well, I mean, today is a great day uh, to be a gamer because now we have Eve Online for free. You yeah, can, you can play. Was oh, today Eve that Online. day? Yeah, today be an alpha, is that day. Sign oh, up wow. to be an alpha clone today. So everybody, who, everybody who's ever read those crazy articles about uh, million dollar spaceship battles going poof. Um, can now actually log in and try, which is great because I've got like seven accounts, right? So I can actually finally go into those <laughs> other those other accounts that I have had for like years and see how how they're doing, what these characters were like, like what did I do? So just set, I, like a massive skill tree, like seven years ago. And so, do you have? Well, it won't, it won't, it won't keep training if you're not a paid subscriber. I know. So, just a That's, one quick question: Do you have like one Omega and several Alphas? Is that how that that works? So you have like the one Omega. I clone? have, I have two Omegas, and uh, the rest are uh, Alphas. Okay, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw, but you can have both of those Omegas running at the same time in different clients, but no Alphas. Correct. I already knew that. And dual boxing has okay. been a thing with Eve for oh, quite a okay. while. So I just read that today. I didn't know if you're... As long as they're Omega accounts, you can have like seven clients running at the exact same time. And some people do because yeah. they're stupid. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's dedication. Uh, we do have a guest this week, folks. We're not just here to talk about the news about Eve going online. I mean, excuse me, <laughs> Eve going free to play. <laughs> Eve went online 13 years ago. No, oh, finally. Um, going to free to play. Uh, we do have a guest this week joining us from pretty much Jim's backyard in uh, Apex, North Carolina, I think, relatively. Wait, let me look. Uh, oh, there he is. Get away from my We have Virgil Wall, founder of Knuckle Cracker Games. Welcome, Virgil. Hey, it's uh, good to be with you. And we are happy to have you because you, after three tower defense games, roughly tower defense strategy games uh, that were pretty much ground based, you made a game with spaceships. So here we are. Woo! Yeah, yep. Change the background on the fourth game. <laughs> it's more than that. Yeah, speaking, I'll, I'll tell you what. Speaking of backgrounds, um, that uh, the red and blue nebula picture at the at the front end of the game is like the same one that I used too. The the one from uh, the Hubble shot. So oh, yeah, I yeah. love that picture. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. So now, yeah, the, the you said that, sorry. I, yeah. I was just gonna make one small uh, amendment. There was actually a game prior to the to the creep world stuff. We can get to that later. I did a game before that that most oh. people don't know I did. Yeah. Oh, well, I do kind I do kind of want to start at the beginning, uh, folks. We are here to talk primarily about. 
Particle Fleet Emergence, which is the latest game in the Creeper World series, uh, the fourth in the series. And uh, whereas the previous games, like I said, were all planetary-based, uh, this one actually gives you spaceships. And it's still kind of tower defensey, but since you're since you have mobile platforms in, in the terms of spaceships, it's much more fluid. Um, I think anyway. So let us start from the beginning. So what is that one game you said you made that no one knows about before the Creeper World series started? Well, it, it was it was a flash game. It was um, it was called Chop Raider. It was, it was you flew this little helicopter around on a white, what looked like a whiteboard, and um, so it made the all the rounds on like Congregate and Armor Games and, and all those things. One first place for the month and was a pretty popular little flash game. It's been played millions of times, but that was before I had started Knuckle Cracker, and it was just a, an evening hobby when I got home from work and which is goofing around. But, uh, but yeah, not tower defense at all. Um, totally different feel, but, um, yeah, that's, that's where I actually started. Are, are you a coder like nine to five or you do something completely different? Um, <clears throat> well for, for knuckle cracker, I've actually been full time since 2011, but prior to that, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been in software development. Um, I did, I studied physics and computer science at, at school. And then when I got out, I was straight in software development, uh, in the nineties business stuff, really 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 boring stuff <laughs> some super intense spreadsheets and and like uh yeah, enterprise network. management systems and yeah, exactly I'll, yeah I'll, yeah your day is filled with three letter acronyms and uh oh so you have yeah. a you have a degree in eve online that's awesome <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah i think after after you've like played eve online up to a certain level you actually like get a job offer from sas yeah, you get like a small, small business the, management. That's like the only degree. way to get it in over there. You get an MBA <laughs> like after like two years, you just get an MBA in the mail. That's, that's, <laughs> wow, look at that! That's awesome. <laughs> wow, I got my MBA in skill accounting. What? I don't understand. <laughs> I'll put it on the wall. <laughs> no, it's funny that I've I've got some. Do you, do you know anybody that works over there? Because I got a couple of buddies that work over there. That's half, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the the Kool Aid is apparently excellent. <laughs> yeah, they it's have, like they have, people are killing each other to get in there yeah they have all kinds of treats oh so it's a good company to work for is that what you mean oh yeah super good yeah, yeah. It's, it's like employees first kind of thing it's it's crazy that's always nice when you find a company that uh does put an empl- its employees first that is always nice yeah i couldn't get an interview because they they saw what else i do and they were just like get out of here kid <laughs> So uh, you're mainly known for the Creeper World series. Let's talk about those. Now, those are, are like, I've only played the third one, I admit, um, a bit. But it's it's kind of, it's not just tower defense because it is fluidly moving across a map and, and whatnot. So it's not just you have you know, these nodes and you have the creeps. There is stuff flowing across a map and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, tell us how the Creeper World series uh, got its start. Yeah, I had um, I had worked on that that little flash game as a hobby, and and one one thing I noticed about that game was that it was worth a lot of money to people. People wanted to sponsor the game; they wanted to purchase advertisements for it. I mean, um, you know, it was just a hobby for me. But I noticed, wow, there, there's a lot of views on this, so there's a lot of advertising money to be had from it. So I said, well, maybe maybe I could make a game myself and not sell it to someone else and, and make some money on my own. So, so I set about making another game that ultimately ultimately failed. I spent about eight months on a game that was never released, 
because it, it sort of reached a point where it wasn't fun and, and I didn't want to put more time into it and, and, um, and pursue that. But during the course of that development, it was a space game, interestingly enough. And it, you could loosely think of it like railroad tycoon in, in space, but what? that's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my so God. There, okay. So now your new mission is to remake that yeah, right. <laughs> for me. Yeah. No, have they, you, have you listened to the show before? Whenever I get on here and rant, Ant for like an hour that I went railroad tycoon in space. I, I've seriously, I. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great idea at a, at a fundamental level. The the execution is really tricky, but but yeah, it it is. But have you played Space Bucks? I haven't. No. Yeah, oh, I was okay. gonna say that's I'll, the closest I'll hook a brother thing. Up. Yeah, that's the closest thing we've seen to railroad tycoon in space. It was made by Impressions back in 1980, 1994. It's yeah. so good. It's really really good. It's yeah, very clunky yeah. by today's standards, but it's still like the best slash only game of its type. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So, so tell us again about this railroad tycoon in space thing. Yeah. So in, in the course of that game, there was a, there was a kind of a fog of war that was covering all of deep space and it would, it would return. It wasn't an, a thing where you would uncover it and it would stay uncovered. It would, it would, it would kind of creep back. So you had to constantly spend money to send out these space probes that would uncover regions of space. And I found myself playing that little mini game saying, boy, this sure is fun. Um, the rest of the game sucks, but this part is interesting. And that, that was sort of the genesis of the, the idea of building a, a strategy game um, where the enemy wasn't discreet. It was an, an analog enemy that surrounded you and would flow, or you could think of it as flowing like a fluid. Uh, so that was sort of the genesis of the creeper world idea. So whenever you designed the, um, the deal with the probes and the, like the encroaching uh, mm-hmm. shroud that comes back, is that kind of like the railroad track equivalent because you had to have an investment in infrastructure kind of thing? Exactly. You had to sort of main, yeah. I mean, this, this game was a long time ago. It was 2009, but um yeah, you had to maintain it to spend money to maintain these routes through the fog and and such. And but the game had a lot of flaws in, in mm-hmm. gameplay. That game did, uh, but that that in, that in, that recovering or encroaching shroud, as you said, that that was an interesting idea. I had that hadn't occurred to me until I saw it in action, and um, and I expanded on that, um, adding terrain and levels of terrain, levels of shroud, and and implementing it in a completely different way a different simulation well that's cool because it's because it's kind of like you just have to keep your tunnel open sort of thing or you can't you can't navigate yeah because i I was like beating my head up about like if if i should ever attempt this game that i want so bad like what would i do to replace train tracks and i was thinking well stargates maybe but eh, i don't know so but that but that's a pretty cool solution i i that's novel i had not ever thought of that yeah yeah, so for so the the creep world game that came out of it, it was it was such an, an interesting and um, a fruit bearing idea that when I sat down and did a prototype, the prototype took about a month, and then the entire game from beginning to end was about a six month effort. Now, it was it was put in a very tight box. It was originally designed to be both a flash game, a browser game, and a desktop game because I needed a, an angle on marketing because you know one guy alone, no money not going to get a lot of exposure, but I knew I could get exposure if I had a flash version because I, I had inroads into that, into that arena because of my experience with Chop Raider. 
Um, so it was a, it was a very tight, small game. There would be no scrolling, no no zooming, no saving, no no loading, none of that. It was just going to be a very tight game. Uh, what we've come to think of as mobile games, <laughs> a lot of uh, you know, a very similar paradigm to what you'd see on an iPad or an iPhone. Well, that that's the thing. Whenever you said you know, it's like I made this game, but I was targeting Flash, and and my first thought was like, okay, so like two thousand nine ish era. That's when you know the iPhone was like the business, right? And unfortunately the one thing you can't do on an iPhone is flash. So it, it's, it's kind of like, I, I understand why you made the decision because you were familiar with it, but it's kind of like you locked out that iPhone market. Yeah, so, I did. And um, that, that sort of set my course for better or worse. Cause the, the creep roll two was done on the same platform. I just repeated completely different game, flipped it on its head or on its side, I should say. And then, um, but, but I followed the same business model and same marketing model. Uh, and then I changed for Creep World 3 and everything in 2011 forward changed. But yeah, to that point, that 2009, 10 and 11 window when uh, mobile gaming was sort of exploding. Yeah, I was sort of locked out of that because of the, the path I had chosen for, for marketing reasons. I don't I don't actually regret that. <laughs> if you see where the app store is today and, and the, the odds of, uh, of having a successful launch there, you know, I I'm glad I'm not there. I'd rather be on Steam than in the iOS App Store, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people have success there, too, though. Yeah, it sounds like you made the right call, because it seems like harder to get discovered as a mobile app, even a mobile game, than probably a PC game, even though Steam is starting to get just as bad in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, it had one other interesting um, side effect. There was so much industry attention that went into mobile that a lot of studios, small and large, all started giving their attention there. So it created a vacuum over on this PC that everybody says is dying every year. I'm like, <laughs> great, keep saying that. Please, everybody, believe it. Because there's millions and millions of, of desktops, right? And they don't just disappear overnight. So it created an, a market opening for, for folks like me. I am, we're happy to come along and, um, and, and have more exposure in what otherwise used to be a crowded arena. We oh we have a question from the chat from Floridon. Um, are you using cellular automata or mata uh, in this game at all? Watching the patterns reminds him of Conway's Game of Life. I I do in Creep World one two and three. They it all uses the CA simulation, so that's a hundred percent correct for uh, for Creep World. For Particle Fleet, I don't. In fact, the origin of Particle Fleet goes all the way back to two thousand nine when I worked on that first creeper world game i had to make a decision how how i was going to implement the game how i was going to implement this shroud and there were there's two ways that occurred to do that one of which is cellular autonomous and another was a was a you could think of it like a a newtonian particle simulation i chose ca because i could get it to scale better and that became the engine in creep world one two and three for particle fleet i said you know what let me go back and explore that idea that i had tabled back in 2009 that became that became particle fleet yeah and, and i gotta say I, re- I i don't know if you saw my series but i really enjoyed the game i mean it it took me by surprise because it's like so unassuming it's like oh it's just gonna be like a simple tower defense no <laughs> it's not simple and there's so much content in there i mean 
You got the story mode, which is fairly long. You have like a mini campaign. You have an editor. You have a generator. You know, skirmish generator. Like, like, how, like, how long did it take you to make this game, and how much, like, how much work went into just the content, the various uh, types of content? The each both Creep World Three and Particle Fleet, there were, there were very similar development paths, and each from beginning till to essentially end. They never really end, but until till it's dropped way off is about three years. Um, and both both are full time efforts. So, um, and as an indie developer, if nobody realizes, full time does not mean forty hours a week. It means uh, what, what's the math? Seven times twenty four. It means it means all the hours uh, of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you dream about it. You wake up thinking about it. Uh, you take a shower thinking about it. When you're when you're cutting the grass, you're thinking about it. You're you're always just sort of you're always working. You never get away from it. Um, so you better love it. Um, um, in, in my case, I do. So about three years of, of pretty full time activity was put into it. What what happens though is uh, I you know you, you watch other indie developers or, or even studios uh, release games and sometimes they focus on a given feature and it's a follow-up game. It's a version two or version three. And then they, they, they leave out something that was in the original release of the game and then they get slammed for it. So what happened was I added all this content to group world three, including a, a custom programming language, a built-in scripting language, all of this stuff, which was a huge time sink. And then I knew I had to do the same thing in particle fleet. I couldn't just leave out some major category like that because people would contrast it to, to creep world three. So it, it became imperative for a marketing reason to sort of match it feature for feature as best I could. Um, but, but even beyond marketing, uh, it, it was important just from the customer base, just because I care about the game and, and, and want people to be happy with it. And I want it to have a life beyond me. Um, so even when I'm working on the next game, this game will still continue to grow on it on its own. So that that's why all that content is there and, and why all that work was put in. Yeah, and you can de- you can definitely tell. I'll be honest, there's a lot of love in not just the content, but in the interface, in the story itself. Um, I was just really blown away by how, like. It felt to me like each of these separate things could be its own little game if you wanted. Like there could be the story mode. You could sell that as a game and then you could sell, they can have the generator and do that as a game. But it's all this amazing package. Does it get tempting to kind of split it up like that and make DLC out of it? Does, it, does that get, well, does it get tempting to do I that get, at all? You know, I get, I get asked about that a lot. Folks that, that have sort of followed me over the years, uh, they, they ask, they, they, you know, and they care. They care about the survivability of, uh, of, of my business and Absolutely. how much money I'm making and all that. And they say, hey, hey, why don't you split that out? Why don't, why, why don't you do exactly what you just said? You know, and I've thought about it. And um, I, I can't say that I won't, I won't split something out in the future. It's just at, at the end of the day, I try to make the, the best and complete, most complete game I can for a fair price. And I don't care what the rest of the world has done or is doing. I've just got to be happy with it myself. I know it sounds like I'm probably just making that up to sound good, but that that's how I actually feel about it. Um, um, so that's why I'll, it all ends up in the base game. I could have pulled out, uh, like you said, um, the, the online database and map sharing and all that, or, or uh, a generator that makes another little, the, the random map generator uh, could have been pulled out as DLC and sold for a couple bucks more, but I'd, I'd rather it be there and be complete on, on day one or close to it and just include it in the base price. And, uh, and, and I'll feel better about it and um, the, the players will enjoy it more. 
Yeah, that def- that kind of thing I think definitely engenders uh, more goodwill than anything else. And you really can't put a price on goodwill when it comes to gamers. Uh, and it looks like you have a fan in the chat of uh, Planetfall there who's applauding yeah, yeah. Your, uh, your decision to make it all one product. Yeah, I mean, for, for an indie developer, you live and die based on the the community that, that follows you that, that you build. I mean, you, your, your efforts are that community. I mean, it's uh, those, those folks that show up and play your game and become passionate about it. And that that's your business. And, you know, if you forget that you'll be out of business. So how is your, how has your community evolved over the course of these four games? Cause it, I mean, they, they all seem, I mean, the ones on steam, at least I don't know. If, are they all on steam at this point? I know creeper world three is, but is two or one uh, or two on steam as well. Creep World 3 is and Particle Fleet are, and uh, in an interesting convergence of events, Creep World 1 and 2 will be there tomorrow. What? Uh, believe it or not. Yeah, they launch really? tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> are they going to be separate or are they going to be like bundled? Are they going to be like separate things? Uh, they're, they're separate. They're their own app on Steam. Okay, uh, but, fair. Uh, but yeah, for anybody who's purchased the games directly from my website over the last umpteen years, um, there's a there's a way you can get a free Steam key. I'm not charging people again for them. They they can just get a free Steam copy. That's uh, fantastic. But for anybody who hasn't picked them up, uh, they'll be available for sale on Steam. But I'm lowering the price. I'm cutting the price in half. Plus, there'll be a launch discount, so they're going to be really cheap. Uh, you know, they're older games. Sure. And it's it, you know they should be they should be just a few bucks. Um, I'm definitely picking so, but, them up. Yeah, they'll be there tomorrow. I'm definitely picking them up because I'm a completist at the very least, and I want the entirety of a series if I like it. Uh, but that is pretty awesome because because they're on Steam. I was able to look at the reviews and the community hubs, and it. I I just noticed at least for those two games that you have a pretty positive community. Now, how much work goes into fostering such a positive community? Because you don't always see that when it comes to uh, to indie games. There's a lot of entitlement out there. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, in negativity at one little change, you know what I mean? So, so how do you foster such a positive community? Um, you know, I wish, I wish I had a lot more time to put into it, to be perfectly honest. I, I do most of my, my community reach and touch is done on, on my own forums. Uh, I occasionally visit the steam forums and try to answer there. Uh, I have a lot of help. Um, you know, I have a guy in particular who's, who's, who's helped me over for several years or more now. And he monitors the steam forums for me. It's kind of, Hey, you need to look at that post there, that, that sort of thing. So the community itself sort of helps filter, filter things down for me so that I can be much more tactical in, in my responses. Cause if, you know, if there's a recurring issue or somebody says something really innovative, I might miss it because I'm coding all day or, or doing something else. And it, it could just get washed down the river with the rest of the stuff. But folks point that out to me, then I try to go, I try to go respond, uh, respond to that. So, um, you know, I check, I check my forums, my mail, my Facebook, Twitter, Steam uh, for multiple games. Now it's, I, I, I've just tried to be there. I, you know, I just, I've just tried to consistently engage and uh, assume that whenever anyone says anything to me on the forums or whatever, that they know as much about what they're talking about as I do. So I, I just sort of go into it with that attitude and uh, and engage with them as as equals that 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 maybe even they have a better idea than I did. Oh my god! Topics. See that that sounds so that sounds so important to be honest with you because like 
I mean, we have we we talk to a lot of game devs, and none of them give off this attitude. But I have seen developers on other games on Steam forums where they have this attitude of superiority. You know, like I know yeah. better. I mean, yes, it's their game, it's their vision, but at the same time, they have such this attitude that they can't even listen to anyone else. Like it's my way or the highway, and that's not yeah. going to engender much goodwill. Yeah, it's there's 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 selfish motivations for it too. To be perfectly honest, I mean, uh, if a hundred people say something, ninety nine of them are may may be a bad idea, or it might be redundant, or none none neither. But one out of a hundred, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good idea. It's gonna be something you never would have thought of. And if if you listen to those one hundred things and and that that one that comes along that means something can make a big difference for your game, for your efforts, and for everybody else. So it's kind of like mining. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff you have to sift through, but you're, there's nuggets in there, uh, and, and they, they show up, and it's good for everybody when when it does. So, uh, Shadow Dragon on the chat brought up an interesting idea. Are you planning on any kind of bundle with all four games? Now that they're going to be on Steam. Is there going to be any kind of bundle with all four games uh, in in one shot? Yes, there will. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, that's tomorrow's <laughs> web. Uh, it goes up at the same time the other games do. Um, there'll be a universal bundle, the new Steam bundles, you know, where it's a complete the set. Uh, and a, uh, I think I'm launching with a 20% cut on that bundle. So it's 20% off across the board if you buy the bundle. Yeah. That is, that's the, <laughs> what timing? <laughs> we couldn't have yeah, timed this yeah. better if we tried. <laughs> I mean, by the time you all are listening to this on the MP3, it's going to be, uh, Yesterday, but but still, it's as we record this live, the first two Creeper World games now uh, are coming to uh, Steam. Now, how would you um, like? What are the what would you say like is the defining characteristic of each of the four games? Like, what would you say sticks out as in Creeper World and Creeper World Two? Like, like why would people is there? I mean, I'm sure they're different stories, but is there a re, like why would people want to play one, two, three, or when when you have Particle Fleet, for example? Like, why would you want to go? Why yeah. would people? Might, why might people want to go back to those games? Is there like an overarching story that tells the universe? Like, is part of an overarching story to the universe, for example, that kind of thing? Right. They 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 all they all do share a common story universe, and it's um uh it's uh, so yeah that binds them all. Creep World one, two, and three tell sort of a, a linear story with three set very very far in the future from the events of Creep World one and two. Particle Fleet goes back and tells a story in the middle of that range between Creep World 2 and, and Creep World 3. By the way, that time frame, I don't mean 50 years. It's it's billions of years. So there's a lot of story in there. Holy <laughs> crap. Wait, different. what? Billions of years? It, yeah, it's uh, it, it's about the, the story. The Creep World story is about the ultimate destiny of the, of, of the universe and, uh, and, and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people love the story. I get a lot of, I get a lot of feedback saying that and a lot of people hate it too. Uh, I get that too. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, there's an overarching story that governs all the games. So, um, so what, what are the creeper things? Is that like some sort of like nanite flood sort of deal or what? Um, yeah, it's, so some some people assumed in, in Creep World One and Two that oh it's going to be gray goo it's going to be it's going to be that it's going to be uh, nanites that deconstruct everything. Uh, ultimately, in the course of the story, it doesn't it doesn't actually matter what the technology is. It's the purpose. It's why it's happening and why it recurs over and over again. 
I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't played Pre-World Three because that's explained at, oh, okay. at the end of that. But but yeah, it it, um, it ignores certain artifacts, certain pieces of technology. Other than that, it likes to it, it likes to reduce everything down to, to to just basic terrain. It likes to destroy technology. Now, uh, Flame brings up an interesting point, and I did kind of want to talk about this. Uh, the engine that this game runs on. I'm not sure if it's custom or not, but I wanted to find out because there are so many objects on the screen at one time with the ships and all the, like, it looks like bullets and missiles are modeled individually and everything. There's so much going on the screen and yet there was no slowdown, ran like butter. So what can you tell us about the engine that powers uh, Particle Fleet? Um, it's, um, believe it or not, it's a Unity game. So it's a Unity 3D uh, yeah, now that said, those are not for anyone familiar with the Unity game engine. Those are not game objects. The particles are not Unity game objects. Uh, uh, that would not scale um, properly. Um, it's done. It's done in Unity so that I can get access to sort of uh, a low-level cross-platform support, Linux, Mac, and uh, and Windows, um, without having to write that boilerplate stuff over again. But I, I do a lot of very primitive mesh manipulation direct uh, management of the geometry and shader stuff uh in order to make those ships be made out of little pieces and to make all the thousands of particles and all that so uh it's at a, it's at a low level in in unity oh okay I, I would not i would not have guessed unity because i've never seen so many things going on at the screen at once on a unity game you, yeah, know, you get about so. 50 things on the screen and unity like falls over so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has like kind of a kind of has kind so, of an attack. So, what about? I mean, now that you're in a Unity platform, can you hit that button and and have it poop out an Android version and and just run uh, with it or no? Well, I wish. Um, almost sort of. Um, one one of the advantages of Unity used to be you could press a button and you could and you could create a web version. I did that with Creep World Three. There, there's a uh, it's up on Congregate. Uh, there's a teaser version of creep world three that ran in the unity web player but the world's moved on so we're getting rid of plugins so the unity web player died everybody's moved to this insane asm.js web gl nonsense so that that's dead because my games are so cpu intensive they operate at that low level they use a lot of memory aggressively and and manipulate geometry at a low level they don't they don't export very well to platforms they weren't originally targeted for um, it's, it's a lot of issues with how unity does the export and the conversion to the graphics routines on the particular platforms and what the native speed is a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of technical stuff that makes it more difficult than just, than just clicking that button. That said, um, uh, yeah, I could go back and port something more like a group world one style game into unity. And then I, then I would be able to, to drop it on Android or, or iOS much, much easier. Oh, okay. Yeah, because th- this game, the the earlier games, um, it reminded me of like when you play StarCraft and the and the Zerg are laying that creep stuff down, except there's no Zerg, just the creep, you know, and, and you're beating that thing back. But um this one though, it's it's like I'm I'm sitting here and I'm watching little creep guys like swirl around the the power sources. And and it kind of I don't know, it, it puts me in mind of um my my brain just locked up and, and I can't. Oh yeah, um, like 
Darwinia, multi-winia kind of thing. Yeah. Played a bunch of little dudes. Yeah, big fan of that game, by the way, Darwinia. Yeah, I played that thing for I don't know how many hours way back when, yeah. Yeah, have you have you seen that uh, that Mushroom Kingdoms game? Because it's it's like I looked at somebody playing it. I don't own it, but I looked at it and I was just like, "That's that's multi-linea, sort of, except it's little I, mushroom I, dudes instead of stick figure guys." Really? Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's one of those like RTS things where the the guys orbit a base and then you select the base and point at another base and they all run over there. So it's, uh, you know, multi-winning gives you a little bit more granular control of that, but this was like a console deal. So yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, when you were talking about that, it made me think that one other thing that's not unity is the, 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 uh, the simulation that controls the particle flows, the motion of those particles, how they collide and stick together and all that jazz. Uh, that's not unity physics. That's it's custom physics engines. So for yeah, are you, one, are you doing some kind of like fish school kind of AI with that or what? It's, it's, it's all at a, at a fair, it's a, a, for anyone who's interested in this stuff, it's a Verlet integration particle simulation. Um, so for anybody who cares, they can look that up. Um, so it's, it's very efficient at, at that level. Other than that, it's governed just by basic rules. So most of what you see in terms of uh, like um, little snakes that they look like little snakes that are moving through space. That's in, that's 100% emergent property. I didn't code that up. Um, it's nothing more than a particle simulation where particles are bound together really tight. And then there's a repulsive force between the individual particles. So it's like a, an, an, an over compressed spring and um, that behavior that comes out of it, where it looks like that snake moving through space, is is totally emerging. If I had sat down and tried to program that snake from scratch, writing up the logic, I never would have gotten as close as as what accidentally happened in in the simulation, just as an emergent property. So it's it's all at a very low physics simulation level, and everything you see is a, is emergent from that. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it, it's always awesome when your code surprises you. you know, it's like you make something, and it's like, oh, I can't believe it's doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I had that experience a number of times in in the course of developing uh, a, a particle fleet, and uh, yeah, it's very pleasing because it's good because you found something new and you get that. Oh, I discovered something in it, and I didn't realize you could do that or it would do that. But then you waste the next three days playing with it. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I got to get back to work. Yeah. We know other thing that this makes me think of, and and I I don't think anybody has touched a game in this genre since uh, Microsurgeon on the on the Intellivision for God's sake. Um, but here they almost kind of look like red blood cells swarming around, right? Yeah. So yeah. so I was kind of wondering, like, if you constrained them, let's let's say you gave them like an artery to go through, mm-hmm. um, and where you know they can't go beyond the walls or whatever, but you could almost have like a fluid particle flow through there right you could i'm actually surprised that that no one is or no one's done this more explicitly in any of the custom maps and it's i just said this so tomorrow they're going to show up in my database <laughs> um something that looks more biological exactly mm-hmm. exactly like that because in during development i didn't i did a number of things like that that looked like cells where i would draw mm-hmm. fields in the shape of a cell and i would put stuff inside of it and that would look like little mitochondria and and dna and hook the particles up in various uh, geometric configurations. So they look like structures you'd find inside of a cell. And then you'd have to attack that cell from the outside with this fleet of ships. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Folks will get around to doing that in the, uh, 
uh, in the custom in the map editor and such. I'm I'm sure because I did it while I was while I was developing. Yeah, because the the other thing that you know, because it's like, well, you're fighting against the particles, right? But you never get to a point where you actually control particles of your own in this, right? Or, you or, do. You actually do. Yeah. There's there's two sides. There's there's blue and red particles, um, and um, you get to you have a there's actually a module that goes on one of your ships that's a field manipulator for corralling and projecting those blue particles. Um, so yeah, you, you actually get both. And I really oh, okay. like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just not far enough into it to see that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I really liked how um, you had the blue particles and you had to have a, a specific ship to, to make use of them and you had to aim them just the way you wanted it. I did want to ask kind of about that. Uh, but first we have some questions from the chat room. First, will there be another particle fleet game on congregate? <laughs> Probably not. And it's not because I don't want to, it's technology issue. Um, uh, if this was two years ago, the answer would have been yes. Um, <laughs> you know, that unit, the unity web player and plugins have just Google started the ball rolling on that. And others have followed suit. So um, if you go to congregate or any of those sites that hosted unity web player games, you find yourself, Oh, I can't play that game anymore. Cause I don't have the web player and my browser won't even run it anymore. So it becomes a, it's become a very rapidly shrinking market and Unity's not even supporting the web player anymore. Um, <clears throat> they have new technology, like I said earlier, that will export to other stuff, but, but it's inefficient enough that particle fleet just won't run properly in it. Um, so that, that limits me. And I mean, I could sit down and port and write a brand new game specifically designed to run, but it, um, um, I, I just, I can't afford to spend the time on that. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be productive for me to do that. Um, so probably not because of that. There's free demo though. And I, I'm, I might even at some point roll a teaser or a smaller, but packaged game using the particle fleet engine. That would be free. It would serve the same purpose as what you would have played in a browser. It just, just won't be in a browser. That's fair. Uh, the other, another question we have is which game did you enjoy making the most from shadow dragon? Uh, <clears throat> That's kind of not yeah, fair. Um, I mean, like they're like your children, really. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. And it, and it, they, they each had their own advantages and, and disadvantages. I guess I could, I guess I could say the one that was in last place would be group world two. Um, not because I don't like the game I do. And I mean, I, uh, I had to play it a lot in order to get the steam version ready here over the last week or so. Uh, and I'm like, I'd forgotten some stuff that's in the game. I'm like, oh, wow. So I was surprising myself with, with my own game that I had forgotten some stuff in. I'm like, wow, that, that, that was cool. That was innovative. But from a development perspective, yeah, creep world two was, it was between that first experience with creep world one of, of big success but I was still constrained having to do it as a part-time activity while I worked a, a day job. So mm. it was, uh, I didn't get to put into it what I wanted to because I didn't have the time or the resources to. So I didn't enjoy that. That was, it was a frustration that, uh, you know, I realized what it could be. I just didn't have the resources or time to put into it. Creep World 3, on the other hand, it's when I went full-time when I started development on that. And so I had a lot of, um, a lot of extra time, more resources, and it was a more liberating experience to explore that. Um, um, so maybe, maybe if I had to, if I had to rank them, Creep World Two's at the bottom, 
Creep World One was special because it was, I knew I had something. I knew I had a great idea and a clean, quick execution that really paid off. So that was very rewarding. Creep World Three is right, right beside it though, because it was, it was an expansion on that idea. And I had the time and resources to really put into it what I wanted to. So that was fulfilling. Particle Fleet was, it's been good too. Um, it's been similar to Creep World 3. Um, so maybe in that regards, because it overlapped a little bit with the experience of Creep World 3, I might, I might rank it a little bit less. Nothing to do with the quality of the games, just like I said, my, my personal experience creating them. That's totally fair. Uh, oh, we have another question from the chat. Uh, is the Particle Sim deterministic? That's a hard word to say. Supposed to, to be. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Um, it should be. So random number generators in my games are, like all games, are not, they're not, they're not really random. They're, you know, they're pseudo-random. But I go one step beyond that and make sure that the seed that goes into the random number generator that creates that sequence of pseudo-random values is, is persisted. Um, so... In theory, if you play the same game twice, starting in the same initial conditions, you end up with the same same values. I use integers, math, instead of floating point math and stuff like that that helps take some of the um, uh, issues, remove some of the issues that could cause non-deterministic behavior. Where I run into trouble, and this is, this is true for a lot of games to try to achieve determinism, is uh, when you load a game or you save a game and load a game, you got to be spot on. You have to make sure everything gets persisted properly and loaded properly. If you're off by one number or one persisted value, that's, that's your butterfly wing. That's your flap. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice reference. (laughs) Yeah. Great story by Ray Bradbury. I think that was. About stepping on the yeah, butterfly. Yeah, great story and a horrible. There was a movie. There was a movie. It had, oh, um, yeah, it was awful. I remember it. God, it was, it was a TV movie, wasn't it? Wasn't it a TV it movie? Was, I yeah. think. Yeah. God, I don't remember the name of it now. But it, it was like Ben Ben Kingsley was in it or something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, wasn't it uh, something Thunder? Yeah, Sound of Thunder. Sound of Thunder. Yeah, something like that. Oh, it was just so so bad, so bad. So I wanted to ask you. Um, each of the ships has a very specific purpose, which I really like. How much work did it take to specifically design each ship for that particular purpose based on what you would need for your story and whatnot and how the map would work itself out and everything? You know, the most, the most forthright answer here is I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, was, it was spread out over, such, over so much development time that, that I, I, I don't know what, what portion of it was devoted to that. Cause the way I develop games is, is I try to make uh, what I would call a toy first uh, proof of concept on a, on a core idea. And if that's fun, I iterate on that until I, until I find myself playing it for three hours and I find something fun. And then I, then I start to expand out from that uh, like a spider, my, you know, an orb spider, you should go around and around making it larger and larger. Um, and uh, it's lots of loops, lots of iterations in and out of the game. And along the way, um, those ships and their purposes started to uh, started to emerge. Um, and they would go back and I'd refine some of them or I might find the ones a dead end and then, and then it gets removed. Um, so, yeah, it's it was it was melded in with the rest of the game and the engine and, and that. But but I can say I knew 
I knew when I started that I wanted these ships, even though they were going to be, um, I concluded fairly early in development, they were going to be modular, a kind of particle system of their own. I knew that, um, that I, that I didn't want a lot of overlap between the purpose of each individual one, that, that each one needed to, you need to be able to look at it and say, yeah, that's the guy that's going to be good in this situation, a kind of a rock paper scissors type type model. I knew I wanted to aim for that, that kind of a dynamic. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, it looked like you could play through the story again with ships that you designed. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, but how does that change. how does that alter the map and the way this the the campaign plays out? How does how does the how does the game react to what you've built? Yeah, that that was a change for me. That is that is something new in Particle Fleet compared to any of the, any of the other games I've done. Um, I decided that I didn't know what the effect would be, but I would put it in the game anyway and just see what happened. Um, so I knew I wanted to allow people to design their own ships. And I knew I wanted those ships to be able to be included in custom missions that people would make with the game's editor. I knew that was that was going to happen and that people would make some amazing and ridiculous things. But when I saw it, I said, you know what? Um, what would happen if I let people use those custom design ships in the story missions or any mission, even other people's custom missions? The answer is I, I had no idea what would happen. I assumed it would be a bad idea most of the time that you could put huge ships, ridiculous ships and very simple missions. And, and it would just be a, a cakewalk. Um, but I also decided I would just put it in the game and let, and give people that option. I didn't I won't force you to do it. Uh, it's not really a way to cheat. It's just, it's just an, an available feature for, for players to use. So I took a risk by putting that in the game and I've gotten some complaints about it. Some people don't like that. You can go and play any mission, with any fleet, but on balance for every one negative piece of feedback I've gotten, I've gotten nine positive uh, pieces of uh, feedback. So, so I, I think it was, I think it was good ultimately game, um, but it was a risk from a, from a game design perspective to, to allow that. that capacity. Speak, speaking of risks, uh, something just came, something I just realized I remembered um, this game did not have, if I'm remembering correctly, much of, or if any, early access uh, period. It was pretty much 1.0 right from the yeah. get-go. Is that? Am I remembering that correctly? That that's correct. Yeah, I, I, um, for for all of my games, I've essentially taken them to a completion status, a 1.0 release, and then released them. Um, I for both Creeple Three and Particle Fleet, many many people ask me, "Can you please put it in early access can, so that we can play?" And um, I thought about it a lot and I came close to doing it a few times and I always backed off of it. It's uh, um, there's a, there's a whole wealth of reasons for doing it or not doing it. And you'll, you know, if you look at developers and you look at people who talk about their game stories and their histories, you'll find opinions on both sides of it. And I, I, at the end of the day for me, and this is not true for people in general, just true for me, I was happier with a completed product than that I took. I didn't want to take money for something that wasn't complete. That's just what it boiled down to. Uh, that's not good business sense, not in this world we live in, but it was, it made me feel better about it just as a, uh, as an activity that I was doing that I wanted it to be complete and then I would take the money for it. And then I would continue to work on it and add features, but I wanted it to be complete on day one. So yeah, 
no, I no got, early access. I gotta say, I don't know if "quaint's" the right word, but it's it's nice to see a game not go the early access route because yeah. it, it's kind of a double. I've I've noticed it's a double edged sword. It's like kind of a crapshoot. Like you're opening up development, but people. A lot of people seem to think that early access means it's a done game, just help us test it or something. And they have weird right. expectations about what early access actually means. So by bypassing that entirely, you kind of skip that. But you're also risking like early sales and or later sales and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like I'm noticing fewer and fewer people are going the route you went of just release it. They, they are. And it – for for different games, I think it's it can be smart for some games and it can be a really bad idea for others. Um, and my games fall sort of in the middle. For uh, for an open world game, it can be a really good idea because people aren't going to burn out on the game and they're going to play the game a lot and they're going to enjoy watching it evolve. There's a there's a value in being in early access. For a uh, let's say say someone's making a first person shooter and it's going to have twenty levels. And that's it. That's the whole experience. It'd be really a bad idea to put that in early access potentially because people are going to play the whole game or most of it in an immature, nascent form and and maybe have a bad opinion. They're not, it's not something they're going to come back to over and over again. My games fall in between those two extremes. So it's not clear. It wasn't clear whether it would be good or bad from, from that perspective for me to go early access. So I just went with my own personal instincts on it, which was to, I wanted to complete it first. But if I do a more open world game in the future, um, I'm, I might I might do early access. If I feel like I'm not cheating somebody out of out of their their gaming money, I'll, but I can make it available early, and there's value, true value in being made available early, then I then I'll do it. Are you saying you're working on an open world game that you? <laughs> oh, no, I, I did not are, say. Are that. you saying that it might be an tycoon in space? Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, not, I don't. Yeah, Next I can game, back the I can back the beer truck right up I, to your I, house. Man. I would totally back that Kickstarter roller coaster tycoon space. Someone, I, I would totally back that Kickstarter. <laughs> if no one's done it yet, get on it. Seriously, uh, a couple five couple people more, working on it right now. I'm sure. Uh, a couple questions more from the chat uh, from Terex. What inspired the storyline? If PF2 is a bust, perhaps you could write novels as a fallback. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, no, I couldn't. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I like a lot of science fiction. Like a lot of people who like these games, I, I'm a big fan of science fiction for a long time. Watched a lot, a lot of science fiction television and movies and paid real close attention to a lot of the technical details. So you got all that stuff rolling around in one's head and this kind of story falls out from it. Um, so there's no one thing. It's not like I could say, oh yeah, it was the second season of Stargate SG one, fourth episode. No, it's not it's not like that. It's it's Oh, that's a good episode. episode. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, what what were the, the things in Stargate? Those, uh, the Goulds? No, the creeper things. Oh, the replicators. The replicators, yeah, yeah in, in, in Atlantis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you pay close attention, and it's not really hard to notice, but in Creep World One, if you look at Odin City, the main Structure you start with looks a little bit like Stargate Atlantis, or a lot like Stargate Atlantis. Yep. Um, but uh, particles and 
wormholes and rift space and all that stuff is just it's just lifted ideas from from one science fiction story or one science fiction series it's just a melding of those uh we do have a, another comment skyrick on the chat and this is what he said. I'm not sure I follow, but so this is this is what he says. Quote, so this has been bugging me for a while, but was the story written in the last week before the game came out? Question. I was lucky enough to get an early copy, and one thing I remember is the story not being done. Honestly, just curious. <laughs> um, so in a general sense, the story um, is not something where I go away from the game and write a story and come back six months later and then and then put it in the game. So from a development perspective, it's not at all like writing a novel or writing a paper for your English class. It's not like that. It's too, it's too married with the technical aspects. Sometimes when I'm creating a story or a mission for the story, I have to go change the game engine to add a capability or I add something to the scripting language. Uh, I have to go create a graphic. I have to create a dynamic. And in the course of that, I may find out that's too hard or it doesn't work right, or it doesn't work at all, or it's a bad game dynamic. And then I have to go back and modify the story around it. Um, so it's like, it's like writing a story on a typewriter where your typewriter is constantly breaking. You have to fix it. <laughs> it, it interrupts your story flow. Um, that said, the story for Particle Fleet, it did lead the actual implementation that showed up in the game and the alpha and beta testers that I had that, that did have access to it. There were a limited number of those, uh, they, they saw sort of a trailing indicator. I would go work on the missions, and once I was done with them, then they would show up in a build that would be made available for the, uh, for the alpha testers. Um, but I didn't, just, I didn't totally make the story up just at the last second and just jam it all into the game. I had an outline and knew, knew what was going to happen um, months before that. Uh, a couple more questions. Um, I don't know if I don't recall if you mentioned the name of the physics engine you're using along with Unity. What is the name of the physics engine? Virgil's special particle fleet physics engine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was about to start looking that up in Google so I could decide later. Like, wait a minute, that's not going to work. Ah, so okay. Yeah. Uh, and someone else wanted to know: Have you seen? Where is it? Wait, so many questions. Um. Someone was asking if you'd seen the show Dark Matter. Where is that? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, Herbert in YouTube was asking if you've seen Dark Matter. I have, yeah. Is, is that is that up. the one with the, the, the guy folks who lost their memory on yeah, the ship? Yeah, they, they didn't know who they were. Yeah, but they, they, they know who they are by now. Oh, okay. Uh, I couldn't get into that one myself because none of them were likable. To me, so yeah, I was the same way, dude. I, that show just could not hold my attention. It Killed was tough. You. I'll be honest with you. It was tough. It was one of those you had to really want to get into it. To, oh, really? The only reason I did was because it was the Stargate guys that did it as a Canadian. Oh, I didn't know that. A lot of the staff and writers, Stargate people. Um, that That's why. It's gotten better, and they've it, they really kicked it up a level in the science fiction. And every, all of all these Hollywood types, or at least this is my opinion anyway, they always start saying it's not about the science, it's not about the fiction, it's about the drama. And then they realize when they look at their fan feedback and, and what's selling shows and which shows are highly rated, and it actually is about the science fiction. <laughs> so so they start adding that stuff in in subsequent, subsequent seasons. 
Okay, maybe I'll give it another shot. Herbert in the chat says it's basically Firefly, and I cannot agree, sir. Do not. Yeah, I, I, do I not, don't agree with that at either. Do not compare. No, no, it is not Firefly. Basically, or not. Now, if you want to I, talk about, if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to talk about good sci-fi, there's that new show that's on the Sci-Fi Channel. Season two is about to start, of, and that's um. Hold on a second. That's the. Uh, Damn it, it's on the Expanse. Thank you. It was on the. Oh, that's good. I I need to finish season one of that, but I've been enjoying that. I need to finish the books too. I'm like two books behind in that one. I was gonna say that other show that came around around the same time as Dark Matter, Killjoys. I've been enjoying that quite a bit more uh, myself because it's much more fun. I thought with much more likable characters. I thought. Anyway, I don't know if you all have watched Killjoys or not, but that show is fun. Uh, let's see. We have another. Uh, we have another channel. We have another question. Uh, oh yeah, from Planetfall. If each ship's role is supposed to be distinct, what's up with the Joven slash Cruiser slash Marauder? I'm not sure what he means. And yeah. by the way, shout out to Floyd the Droid. Planetfall. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the deal with all these droids? Oh god. <laughs> so let's see. What did he say? He said the the Joven, which is a little fast ship and then the cruiser and the marauder Marauder. yeah they're more they are different they cost different they have different movement speeds and they have different mixtures of of weapons on there um they're not like super duper distinct that that's yeah i mean it's not like one does one a and the other does an orthogonal thing to that it's not like that at all but um one, one differentiating factor is their cost that um, that Joven's cheap. Another is the speed that they move, and another is the the, the weapons mixture. So the Marauder, uh, compared to say like a Wolf, um, uh, has uh, both cannons and and missiles, and those in the uh, in the balance of the game do very different things depending on if you are attacking mired land or defending against enemy shots or need to take out. Uh, emergent and there, there's this complicated mix of, of stuff and they're, they each have their, have their own purpose. Um, the, um, the, the cruiser, which sort of falls between the two size wise is, um, uh, it has a mix as well, like the Marauder, but it's, a, it's a much smaller version. So it's cheaper and quick, quicker to build. So, I mean, it may stretch the definition of purpose a little bit, but the, but they each have their own roles, both economically and in terms of uh, enemy engagement. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, you you get you got to have a backbone of your fleet. You got to have a ship that you know can handle different things, not just specific stuff. So that makes sense. Oh, another question: Did Ian M. Banks' culture series have any impact on your games? No. <laughs> yeah, I tried reading them, uh, at least the first book in the series. It did not click with me. I tried reading it twice, actually, and it, it did not click with me, sadly. Because apparently it's a much-beloved series, and it's just like, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, I've heard of it, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm ignorant to it. Yeah, don't know much about it. Would you say there are any uh, like popular sci-fi series or books or movies or whatever that had an influence in the story on the Creeper World series? Yeah. Um, so uh, Battlestar Galactica. Ah, the yes. Version. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, BSG 2004. Um, can't 30, help but have an influence. 33, I feel, is one of the finest episodes of televised science fiction of anything 
ever. 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 Exactly. Yes. 100%, That's yeah. the thing. It was all downhill from that first episode. Like, you start off at <laughs> the top. Varying. Opinions vary. Well, no, I mean, it's not all downhill, but it's like you start off at this, this peak, this eight, this, this apex, this, uh, this peak. It's like, how do you top that? It's, it, they, they very rarely topped 33, in my opinion. Yeah. That was, yeah. I, I, I have vivid memories of watching that. You, Oh my god! You're just white knuckling the. Oh my god! Yeah, Yeah, that I I I saw that before I saw the miniseries, and uh, I was like, oh my god, this is the most amazing, the most amazing televised sci-fi I've ever seen. (laughs) And a lot of it did hold up close to that, and then yeah, I'm still bitter. I'm still angry (laughs) about about how that damn show ended. (gasps) Oh my god. But no, that's a now, that's a good one. That's a good one. Now, there's another series that people have forgotten, but uh, because it's been so long ago, but it's Babylon Five. Um, um, good old we, B Five. We were just talking about B Five today. I've I could I could not get into it myself. I'll be honest, but we have several B Five fans uh, on in our chat. Yeah, I forced, and on our my, I forced myself. I forced myself to watch it all and. It had its moments, but it was just like I was just really kind of curious to see what everybody was talking about, so I forced myself to watch it all the way. And I still don't quite get it. <laughs> now, it, it. Now, I can tell you this. I watched it live. I watched it when it first aired. Right. Now, I think I think some of the characters are brilliant. Like, I love the character Jakar and, like, a lot of the stuff surrounding his storyline. But I felt like any time Jakar wasn't on the screen, I felt like I was getting ripped off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the dynamic between Jakar and Londo. And, yes, yeah. I wanted a show just about those two. Like that's those, all yeah. I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a fanfic about. Shut up. Pro- probably Shut up. multiple. Probably m- many, many issues of fanfic. It it hasn't held up well over the years. So folks that go back and watch it now to see what the big deal was, you know what? I'm going to be impressed. I think that's why it no, didn't I click think... with me. I, that might be why it didn't click with me because I I have a friend who tried to get me into it three times from different perspectives. I think the I think the best entry point is the movies, actually. Yeah. And yeah. then when you see that, there there is one like Lando's on his deathbed and he's like telling the story. I so saw that weird. one. I saw yeah, that, that was one. Good, that was because I watched was... that because I was like, "Screw this show!" Because I watched the first season and then I, it just faded for me really fast. You know, I was yeah. just like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> uh, five years later, oh, that thing's still on. You know, because I just didn't look. But then somebody sat me down and got me to watch that movie, and then I was like, "Oh, hey, I need to go back and watch this thing." Now, I f- I'll, I'll, now, D Space Nine was on around the same time, and there are a lot of people that said one ripped off the other. Uh, which I'm not sure is fair uh, because a lot of similar stuff does come out at the same time, like asteroid movies and volcanoes. Well, and they're, and they're both, they're both uh, interesting in that there's, there's dynamics about both of them that are strikingly similar. There's also dynamics about both of them that are strikingly different. So like there's the whole religious aspect with like the main guy, like that's kind of a thing. Yeah. And it takes place on a space station. Yeah. Other than that, (laughs) Now, if you had put Garrick on Babylon Five, would that have made it a better show? I, I submit no, that it probably. I I, I, I don't know. know because I just feel like I feel like the the type of character that Garrick was and the circumstances he was facing was. I mean, I uh, 
There are mm. some similarities between him and Londo, but mainly mainly because they're both loyalists to their people. But uh. um, L- Londo Londo's uh, primarily a coward, as we're like Chikar or uh, um, Garrick's more of a uh, a patriot, I guess. <laughs> Garrett can be a coward, but he's not. He'll 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 stand up if he needs to. I mean, he would shoot a man in the back because the. <laughs> well, I, I think. Well, I think. I think. I think the fact. I now we're like really diverged, but I Sorry, think the fact yeah. that Garrick was more of a spy. Um, oh. You know, he was more of a. You know, he was more of a spy. He had more of a of a smart attitude about what's really going on. He talked in riddles all the time, which made him fantastically interesting. But he had he had a kryptonite that was fascinatingly unique, which was his claustrophobia. Oh, Wait, didn't Garrick also have? Are you talking? That's about who I'm Garrick? talking about. Okay, so I'm blanking. Um, because we're talking about moving space on shows. back to the game. So seriously though, uh, any any other influences before we get back to talking about the actual game? Well, I can say this about DS9. Of course, Star Trek goes without saying all, all the series, even Enterprise. Uh, I know <laughs> I take flack for that, but even even Enterprise. But a uh, DS9, it, in the last season or so, it turned into gratuitous space battles, right? I mean, it was it, that that part. I, for the time, I really loved it. The big starship fights and the Dominion and all. Oh that no, yeah, season six oh, and yeah. seven I, were were I, filled the, with us. I will stuff. say this too. The the difference between B five and DS nine was is DS nine looked a lot better. Yeah, yeah, it still holds up in the special effects department. Whereas B five, it's like, oh, they they got the computer from the last Starfighter to do the uh, the special like, effects. I did this. I did this on my Mac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the kind of. Yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry about the uh, the tangent, but you get us talking about sci fi TV shows, and we will just. Yeah. Uh, I see there in the chat. There's Farscape. Yeah, I was a big fan. Big fan of Farscape. Big fan here too. Yep. Space, Space above, above and beyond. beyond oh my yep. god, I own those. I own that one. Yeah, I do too. I I, I, too. I was crushed when that one got canceled. This is the last. This is the last thing I'll say. At least I was so crushed when they got canceled, but I was so happy they gave it like an actual ending. You know, it wasn't a good ending. I mean, it wasn't a happy ending. But I'm so great it got one. You know, I was so happy it actually got one. Like so many shows, Fox cancels. It's like, oh, that's it. We're done. <laughs> I know Fox is worse. Yeah. <laughs> so many amazingly canceled shows on Fox. So back to uh, Particle Fleet. Now that the game is out, you've already released this. Now, what is this corporate thing that uh, that oh, you yeah. just released recently? The the four dollar. It's the soundtrack, but there's another thing to it. I'm I'm not fully. Uh, clear on what the the corporate thing is like. It's a you can put your logo in yeah. the game or something. Like what is that exactly? Yeah, there's there's three things in it. One is the the excellent soundtrack, which was primarily done by a composer named Finn MK. Uh, he did the soundtrack for Creep World Three as well. Uh, I I used another guy, another composer's named Connor Short. He's a kid, he's a teenager, believe it or not. Um, what? Who did some music for a Particle Foot? Yeah, the guy he was like fourteen. That music 14. is so what? That music is so good. Yeah, so Finn did the primary soundtrack. So all the music that you hear playing in the background, that's what that's what Finn did. And it's excellent, even better than what he did for Creep World 3, in my opinion. There were a couple songs I did for the trailer and the final mission. Uh, he's a local local guy, kid, but he's a guy. He's a professional, uh, and his name's Connor Short. And he did uh, he did a, a fantastic job, especially to be 14, 
I guess he's 15 now, but yeah, ridiculous talent right there. So yeah, anyway, that soundtrack is there and that's part of the package. There is uh, a notebook that I never intended to be released, a 50 something page of my notes that I built up on my desk over three years. I said, you know what, maybe I can redact a few, a few things here and there and otherwise just scan them in and, and put, make that available. Folks ask me all the time about development, what it's like, what did things look like? What did I do? And, and all that. So that notebook gives some, some insight into that. And the last thing, uh, the third thing that, that you mentioned is uh, it's, I called it corporation in the game. I get, I, you would not believe the number of times in the last several years I've been asked, is there some way I can tip you some money? Can I send you a couple bucks? I love your games. Can I give you a couple bucks? And my answer has always been no, <laughs> I don't have any way to do that. I appreciate the sentiment, but I don't have any way to do oh, that. that that's, oh, that's what pretty that cool. is. Um, it, it allows you to type in a name, a corporation name, a CEO name, and then design a, I think it was 32 by 32. I don't remember, but a, an icon. It appears in the game on the launch screen. So when anyone plays a mission, that launch screen at the very top of it is a line and it's got a little funny something or another, and it's got that logo and a corporation. And those are randomly pulled from a database and they show up on people's desktops. So uh, it's like one of those name in the game type features that some indie developers put in. It's similar to that. Okay. It's, it's pretty cool. And, you're not, and the nice thing is you're only asking a few bucks for, Yeah, I mean, a lot of people yeah, charge they, 10 bucks for their soundtrack. You know, yeah, so. I, yeah, I know that I have two, I had two criteria for it. One was I wanted to make the, the DLC not affect the gameplay. It is not necessary for gameplay whatsoever. It has nothing to do enjoying and completing the game Two, I wanted to make it have more than just one something. I wanted, I wanted two or three things in it. And, um, and uh, married with that, the, the flip side of that coin is I wanted it all to be affordably packaged. It's, it's just a tip and it's just for, super fans of the game who, who want to show a little extra appreciation. That That's what it's for. It's for those, those folks. And is, are you planning on any more things like that for the game? Uh, I've, the thing I've been asked for is those corporation in the, in the game keys, you get one with that DLC, but folks are wanting more. They want to go create five or 10 entries in the database with, 10 little icons like it's their subsidiary companies and stuff like that. I might for a couple bucks, put another DLC up. It's got 10 of those. Or maybe I don't, I don't know. I haven't decided. It's, it's not a, it's not a high priority issue for me. It's certainly not to make money. Um, it's um, it, but it would be there if people want to really make a bunch of in- entries in that database. So, right. so maybe, maybe that. that that's anything that's cool. else I'm going to add to the game though, anything that relates to gameplay. And there are some things, up for that uh, those are going to go in the game proper they're not going to be sold as dlc they're just going to show up in your game next time your steam client updates that that sort of thing oh that's awesome so so are there any like are there any uh improvements like you just mentioned that people can look forward to that you're yeah, there working are on? um there are and i wish i've been able to get to these things to these things quicker i just there's just so much to do after a game launches in that first month and then i've oh, yeah. been watching one and two and had to get past that, but I'm very quickly as in next week going to be getting back to particle fleet. I'm going to be adding a, uh, a ship preview panel so that when there are custom ships in a mission right now, you have to build them to find out what they do. Uh, I'll let you hover or, and see what the ship's going to look like if you built it. So what's oh, on nice. it. 
uh, that sort of stuff. I also intend to make available a ship, uh, an online ship sharing database. Right now you can share maps and the custom maps are out there and all that. Uh, but I want people to be able to design ships as they can right now and share them via knucklecracker.com. So you'll just be able to go to an online ship database and rank them, view them, look at the most recent ones, download them, and even play missions with them. Uh, so I'm going to be adding that um, to, to the game proper. And somebody just, Planetfall, I see, just mentioned custom modules. Yeah, yeah, that, that's another thing. There's a lot of folks that are involved that, that really get into the scripting. Um, there's a built-in language in the game that lets you write these really sophisticated missions. Um, and uh, that's going to be married with the idea of custom modules, the little things that show up on the ships that do things, the weapon pods or shields and things like that. People will be able to create custom versions of those with custom code that run oh within the scripting gosh. language of the game and share those. That is, that is, that's amazing that you're giving the, I mean, players love that, that you're giving them that much control over their own game. I mean, players love that. That's the thing that gives games legs more than, it does. more than content. Really. People love making their own stuff that then they can, cause then they make the content to go around the stuff they made. You know, that, like custom right. missions yeah, and stuff. I've I've done it for all all the Creep World games. So even Creep World One is still played daily, and custom maps still show up. Believe it or not, here these seven going on eight years later uh, for a game that wasn't even on Steam and won't be on Steam until tomorrow. People still play that game and make custom maps um, using the editor for it. Wait, seriously? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how many thousands of maps are there now, but show up every so often and so the steam versions are, and the steam versions are going to have access to all those maps yeah. that oh my god yeah yeah i mean yeah for somebody who's never played creep world one or two the, the games are going to look dated but but the gameplay is still there and when they when they install it they're going to instantly have access to thousands fuck five whatever it is five thousand something maps in the database oh, right holy now. crap they'll never get through them i haven't i can't i mean i've <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oh my god ah i mean so you're not just buying a game you're kind of buying a platform for more content in a way i mean i kind yeah, of look at game yeah. i kind of look at games like free space 2 with their open source project in that regard as well like you're not just buying this great game with its own content you're buying a door to all this other content as well and that's what it sounds like you have here as well. Now, all the stuff is hosted. You're not doing the Steam Workshop stuff. You're, it's all hosted on your own server? Yeah, it all comes off knucklecracker.com. Um, the reason for that is, and this, this also is not necessarily a wise business decision, but um, <laughs> I do it anyway. Uh, um, I, I support equally Steam and non-Steam versions of the game. There are some people. Oh. for good or bad reasons or personal reasons what it's totally up to them but they hate steam and they don't want anything to do with it or any any such platform so they they only want the the direct purchased games so uh it doubles the amount of work i have to do when it comes to build time yeah uh, if you don't like steam you've severely limited your options yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah um so Part of that is that I want to make available those custom maps to both parties, to both on Steam and not on Steam. Uh, so I host them, host them directly. It also gives me really good uh, control because, you know, you get bad actors every now and then. Somebody comes up and puts a custom map up that shouldn't have ever been there. And, you know, I want to be able to take it down immediately and know about it. And 
prevent. Are you are you talking about my space peen? That I'm. Are <laughs> right, you talking about what? What'd you say? Don't forget it. Ignore it. Move oh, on. Yeah, I didn't get it. Because <laughs> no, you know, like the first thing people do, you give them an editor, they make a giant wiener. And... Yeah, like, well, look what happened to Spore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it happens. But I'll tell you this. Um, I was surprised over the years, and I've been doing this for years now, watching these databases. 99.9% of the content is good. I thought it would be 10 10% bad or horrible. And I'd be constantly having to redact stuff and take stuff. That is not, um, it's most people mean business and they're, they're good actors. And it, it almost renews your faith in humanity when you see the ratio of good to bad. Um, and it all comes crashing down when you see that one bad, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's mostly good most of the time, but, but when, when the one bad thing does show up, um, I can go in since I host it directly. I can I can re- not only immediately redact that. I can block that IP address or other other ways of preventing that person from coming back, posting stuff, and harassing people. So that's one side effect. To host one good side effect of hosting it directly. That explains why I can't upload maps anymore. <laughs> so so is it does it um, like hosting your own stuff? Does it take a lot of server space or bandwidth, or are the files relatively small? Like, how does that work? You know, it's not too bad. Um, I use one of these virtual um, hosting companies uh, where it's a VM-based server, but I maintain the uh, uh, the operating system and all that stuff myself. Bandwidth-wise, yeah, it's a lot by uh, five or ten years ago standards. I mean, it could be it can be a terabyte a month sometimes. Are, are you using Linode by any chance? I sure am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, cause that's the smart money if you're doing a lot of bandwidth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can, um, you can scale, um, uh, up and down and, uh, as necessary, allocate more resources and not, and they have real nice backups. Yeah. I've uh, played around with Linode. They're fun. Yeah. 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 I've been pleased with them. I've been with them since the beginning. Uh, yeah. Cause we, we were looking at doing a, like a streaming thing, right. Where, if if I'm streaming a game, Hunter's streaming a you know the same game, but we got two points, two different points of view, and we want to put them side by side, and it's a a very difficult problem to solve. <laughs> Actually, you know, like YouTube gives you no tools, Twitch gives you no tools to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he he puzzled it out and uh, using a Linode box, and it's like a couple bucks, you know, because I thought like man, if we're gonna if we're gonna be pushing like two streams up and one stream out. And we do that for a few hours. It's just going to like, you know, be, be writing a big check. And uh, if it was Amazon, yes, but these guys, it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, it is. They're, they're pretty reliable too. And yeah, I don't have any complaints. Um, I'm not moving off of them anytime soon. That's for sure. It was a good decision that I went with. I'm glad I did. Yeah. For those of us who aren't aware, like me, what is, what is Linode? Uh, it's basically a virtual machine in the cloud. So you know, you say, "Hey, I, I want to have a a Linux machine." And if you if you're familiar with any of the AWS stuff that Amazon does, it's very similar, except for it's like oh. bare bones and Linux based. But it sounds like you have a lot of control over this virtual server. Yes, if you own it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's pretty it, nice. It's it's like the virtual version of you have a physical machine on your desk. Do what you want, and with them, it's, it's like you know, it's just up in their cloud. 
But it's almost have... like it's it's the answer to uh, the 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 VPSs, right? Like VPS, like virtual private servers, were expensive as hell. But then you start getting into this like scaled, modular, like only use what you need resource cloud like servers, and you're just like you know cents on the hour, like you're you know three pennies an hour. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. stupid cheap. Oh wow! Yeah, can you can you run like a say a WordPress blog off of that? Anything if you, you want to do, you yeah. you could. Oh. Yeah, you gotta kind of know what you're doing to get it set up or have oh. somebody help. Yeah, you it's it. it's all it's all hands on deck though if you do it yourself. Oh. Yeah, but it, there's no there's no like dashboard like install this thing. It's oh. you're down at the command line typing. Oh, oh, yeah, it sounds it, intriguing. It's I just might... like you rack mounted a, a server and then you're gonna put Linux on it. The install. And then what happens next is up to you. Um, yeah, that's the flip side of the coin. You've total control. You have total control. That's the problem too uh, for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> There's also really cool processes too. I was looking into with uh, Linode and stuff where you actually make your own custom virtual machine on your computer and and like do it the way you want. Okay. I like because because you have more control even when you're doing it on off of your machine, and then there's a whole process where then you can convert that up to Linode servers as well. Is, is it through an OVF file or what or OVA? I'm not sure the file format. To be honest with you, I would okay. imagine it probably. I haven't looked at it, but I imagine it probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a a question about PR and such you know like as, as a business thing because you got like the you, you put the first game up on congregate and it did really well still so got like a lot of you know fan base build up there and word of mouth and stuff have you ever actually done any pr stuff with like a, an agency or or is it all just been like put it up on steam and it happened um most of it has been it just happened it, it's been organic um uh i have attempted a few ad campaigns over the years. Uh-huh. Um, and they, um, they would break even at best. Um, and that, you know, factoring out my time, just looking at the money spent on the ad and then the sales boost that came from the purchase of the ads, it's break even at best. Um, and uh, a lot of people tell you a lot of different things about it, but if you're going to, if you're going to do, if you're going to do an, an ad campaign or something like that, you, at, at least in gaming, you gotta you gotta reach a saturation point. You can't just spend a thousand dollars and say I'll get a thousand dollars in return. It, it doesn't work that way. There's there's thresholds that have to be crossed. Um, you know, it's the reason you see the same commercials over and over on TV, right? You ignore ninety nine of them, and that and then that one hundredth sinks in. Um, uh, it's so it, it takes a lot of money to 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 do and to, to do an ad buy and be effective at it for uh, for uh, an indie game. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience, um, and it's money that I, I don't I don't want to devote to that that type of activity. Um, so most most of my stuff has been organic. I've used web gaming in the early days to mm-hmm. help build a community. Um, and, well, I mean, you've uh, kind of hit the dream though. Just you know, without going through like a third party or whatever, it's like you know through through your own fan base, you've got to the point where you can fund yourself doing this. So that's definitely, you know, a lot better than a lot of people are doing. So it it is. Yeah. And I, and I've, I've worked with a number of aspiring indie developers over the years that are very talented and and have some good stuff going on. And it it always comes down to, to how do you, how do you get that initial community? 
And, um, and I, I remember even, even, even when I started in 2009, it was a different era then. Yeah. Uh, but, um, Creep World One came out and then it was just crickets were chirping for three months. It was nothing. Um, that was before I had done any, any web release of the game. Um, and that's, that's when it opened up. That's, that's for me, that's what started that initial chain reaction. So whenever you first got on steam, like how, how many years ago was that? Uh, for Steam, it was Creep World Three, so it was 2013. Oh, okay, yeah. So Steam was already what it is now. Back then, it was. So. Yeah, it had entered the green light mm-hmm. uh, era at that point. It was early green light, so I went through that green light process when it was actually a little bit harder than it is right now to get. Yeah. See, if you if you could have got in like real early green light though, or even pre green light, that was that was the era where it's like I'm on Steam, I'm rich. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. but anymore, it's like no, just being there isn't enough, right? Yeah, folks, that's that's what that's what people see now when they when they they get on green light and they're like, oh my god, I just got green lit, and that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean what it used to. You're you're exactly right. That long how, time, how long how long did you have to tread water on green light before they actually green lit you? Three it might have been three months. That and that was with me with an existing community that was driving votes to the, to the green yeah. light page. I had been direct selling the game for gosh, I don't know. It was three or four months already. And so I had that fan base and a large customer base that I was, you know, at, please go vote for this on green light. So I had a lot of votes going in there, but it was, it was early in green light and it took a lot. It was, it went took a lot of yes votes to, to actually get that thing pushed through. Yeah. So um, the other thing I'm I'm curious about is because you are local here. Do you know Chris over at Arkin? Have you guys met, or is are there any like indie meetup game developer things that go on around here where people congregate? There there are there are a few uh, things. I've I've actually been to a few of the aspiring and in indie game developer meetups and, and things like that. I've been to three or four of them. It was uh, I never met anybody who. Um, was sort of post, uh, I don't know how a polite way to put this is, <laughs> they were post idea, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, so I never met up with anybody who had, who already had it going yet, you know, and already oh, had, okay. a, had a business going yet. Um, yeah, I was I was shocked to find out um, the Insomniac guys started here. Was, they were in Durham, and yeah. you know, like Spire of the Dragon and, and all that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You're here in North Carolina. What's yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, he's like he's like right down the road from from the Arkin guys and stuff, and that that's why I was going to ask if you, if you knew Josh over there. But, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. I, he, yeah, I, I sent you a, a text in the thing because okay. they they actually do some indie promotion stuff, and you know, I, I I haven't really dealt with them on that level, but you know, just through talking to him, and and he's kind of like now that he's no longer with Arkin because of the stuff that went on at Arkin, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but they've they've kind of like spread out into into their own thing. But but I saw um, they handled uh, Democracy Three for Cliff, right? Um, and you know so and Cliff was the guy right that came on the show and and he we had that conversation about uh, the whole promotion thing. And his rule was like if the game cost a hundred thousand, be ready to throw down fifty thousand yeah. for PR. So it's it, you know he's he's serious about it. And uh, I mean I, I guess that turns around for him. But a lot of people just cannot touch that. So, you know, and and it's a gamble, right? Because you're like throwing money into the wind and hoping. Yeah, that's the big boy table. That's the high stakes table in, in Vegas, so to speak. Yeah, it's uh, it, first you got to have it 
to even entertain the idea. And most folks starting out don't, they're not going to have that kind of money. They're going to, they're going to drop on an ad buy. Yeah. On an unproven game. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that I found um, that was, that was quite interesting because I was, um, I I don't know if you ever met any of the escapist guys before that got shut down. Um, But we had the escapist magazine over in Durham too. And uh, so I went over there. What they shut down. What? Yeah, well, they're, they're, the site. Well, it's there's two it's like of there's huge. like two of two of them now over in Washington State or something like that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. well, Alex, uh, they handed Alex. See, interesting thing, right? Talking about congregate and stuff because the the roots of that. Um, I sat down and and had a couple of beers with uh, Alex Macris, the guy that was. Uh, he wasn't editor in chief anymore. He'd handed that off, so he he was basically like owner of it, right? CEO. Um, but it, it sat down with uh, with him and, and his finance guy and was talking to them over dinner one night. And what it turns out is he and that guy, they went to West Point together. And whenever they got out of there and, the, and they were like, well, what do we want to do? You know, let's get, let's get into some kind of online thing. And like the only online gaming thing back then was uh, that Game Storm, which had been um, like Kesmai or whatever on AOL. And then that AOL basically cut their whole games channel. So they went external with it. Right. And that was, that was like the first of come to our website, play games on the website kind of service. Right. And so these guys were like, Hey, you know, this flash thing, it's a thing and we could set up a a flash site and, you know, get games on here and make some dough. And uh, so they did that. I forget what it was called. Um, And then it ended up sold off and the name changed anyway. Um, but anyway, so they took the money that they got from that, and it was like, well, what should we do? And, and it was like, wow, it would be really dumb if we got into journalism. Okay, let's do it. And <laughs> so that's that's how Escapist Magazine got started. And, uh, yeah, so they, they were doing that. Um, Defy Media ended up acquiring them, and that's where they got the influx of cash to get the offices and, and do all the stuff they were doing over there. Um, but that's also whenever it changed from they were doing, like, an actual print layout uh, like a, a sliced up PDF that was on the website. Um, but that was kind of prohibitively expensive and time consuming to do. And they could only do like an issue a month kind of thing. Um, so they, they ended up acquired by uh, defy media and defy owns like break.com and uh, did own game trailers and a whole bunch of those sites that, that got shut down. Uh, it was gamefront.com. They had them it was a, a bunch of that stuff. And they ended up actually, uh, it, it was kind of like in phases, right? They downsized multiple times, um, but it, but it's basically like uh, Alex is really good at running a site, so they handed over Break.com to him, and then kind of like basically there's there's like two full time people that are running uh, Escapist now, and then everything else is like freelancer outsource oh. stuff, and uh, and Yahtzee with his official, yeah, stuff. Yahtzee's Yahtzee's kind of. Hmm. I thought you know, they were they, still he, in North Carolina. They, they would never. Uh, well, some of them, uh, but Alex is. It's like he's kind of dual residence because he's here and Washington State, ping pong mm. back and forth. Because um, I guess that's where breaks at. Um, but yeah, so he he uh, would never tell me how much Yahtzee makes, but he he said uh, you know like go go look at Jim Sterling's uh, Patreon, right? And I did, and he was like, "That's nothing." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, Alex Alex Croshaw is basically keeping that site alive. I think single handedly. 
but the uh, anyway, the point being, mm-hmm. though, the thing that I learned in that conversation with him, because I asked him, I said, OK, so if I had an indie game and I come to you and I say I want to buy some ad space on the site. Right. And his finance guy turns to me. He's like, no way. Do you have one hundred thousand dollars? Because that's what it costs. You know, if you want like a banner ad, hundred grand, we won't talk to you for less than that. I'm like, well, what do people do? So uh, he clued me on this. And it's basically these ad aggregator sites, right, where you go to them and you say, I want to pay for X number of impressions. So those guys go and spend the money to buy the sidebar. And then they run ads for whoever happens to be, you know, in their pool. And then you you pay them to show the ad, but you don't know where it's going to show up. You might be in the New York Times. You might be on his site. You, you know, who knows where, right? You get you get to kind of pick a demographic, but that way you get a chance of exposure on you know any website anywhere because those guys are buying up basically the the open space kind of thing. So that's a business model I just really wasn't aware of. I mean, it just hadn't occurred to me, but it but it seems pretty cost effective for like the indie guys that don't have a lot of cash. Yeah, it, it would no doubt lower the uh, cost to entry to get some exposure. Oh yeah, because you're talking thousands, not hundreds of thousands <laughs> to yeah, do yeah, it. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah. plus, you're not dedicated just one site. You know, you're spread out. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, but it was uh, it was an interesting talk. I'd love to sit down with those guys again if they're listening and they're not. No, but, I can say this too. The um, the the style of your game, the uh, the target demographic for your game has a massive impact on the effectiveness of a, and the necessity of advertising. Um, mm. Like uh, you know, a lot of people love first person shooters. Who doesn't, right? But if you decide you're going to make an indie first person shooter, and uh, good luck, right? I mean, um, uh, and don't release it between Battlefield and Call of Duty for God's sake, <laughs> Titanfall. Yeah, I mean, Mm. Yeah, you're going to be in a. You're going to be in a. In a unless you have some uh, really innovative trick that nobody's seen before to catch everybody's attention, you're going to have hard hard time getting exposure, no matter what what you do. Well, so, like Titanfall two that just came out, right? I love that game, yeah. but they they crippled themselves because they launched like right in the gap between Battlefield right. one and Call of Duty. And yeah. and with EA owning both properties, it was just like, my God, why did you do that to these guys? Yeah, I didn't understand that play either. That that didn't make any sense. I mean, yeah. and this is this is AAA franchise, AAA money, AAA advertising. So yeah, even there, there's screw ups. Yeah. So I guess it's the it's the holiday thing, right? But but to like to actually to an indie, it's better to avoid the holiday season, like the plague. I would think like. Yeah. Like come out like you know in that dry spell in February or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You gotta you gotta sort of uh, avoid. Well, you're not gonna want to launch any t- in a new title anyway, anywhere near a Steam sale window. Um, the fall that always and- amazes me when I see like a new game comes out in the middle of a Steam sale. Like, what are you doing? Like, like why did What's Its Face come out the same time as Overwatch did? Battleborn, whatever it was. Uh, oh, yeah. And we all know what happened to that. Yeah, that was a very poor decision. Yep. So Yeah, yeah I don't know. Better, like springtime, March, May, not into the summer, so you're not getting near that summer sale. Uh, and, you know, the AAA studios are less pushing pushing through their games. Fall is a, is a slaughter yard right now. I mean, I'm releasing CW1 and 2 tomorrow, uh, in the middle of it, but those are ancient titles just to complete 
the the set you know it's it's uh it's more just to not get completely shut out of the uh the online presence on steam so that I can keep particle fleet and creep world three getting some more exposure by having some some games there um over the uh upcoming events and such on steam but yeah new game yeah it would be a bad idea well, and it's also, it gives you something that you can discount in the Steam sale, and you're not risking your main title. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So what is what is next for you uh, now that Particle Fleet, I mean, you got some stuff coming for Particle Fleet, but what's the next big thing? Yeah, after I get past Particle Fleet, I will I will start the next cycle. I've got uh, you know, five or six um, interesting ideas, things I've never explored before. That I will, um, I'll sit down and start playing with them. Um, and, um, not, not with an intention to build a game, just with an intention of playing with a mechanic because, um, um, despite having story, despite having a fair amount of content, most of my games or all of my games aren't, they aren't about the content because, you know, I'm one guy, right. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have fancy models and fancy graphics and I'm just not going to have any of that. I'm going to have what I have functional stuff. But if I can find unique game elements and unique gameplay, if I can mine long enough to uncover some of those nuggets, that's, that's what I'll build the games off of. So that process can last anywhere from a day to a year. You might know, I, you're looking for something. Might I request a first-person survival roguelike in the Creeper World series, please? We don't have enough first-person uh, first roguelike survival-type games. We need we need more of those, I think. Can but I? also incorporates railroad tycoon like features yeah. <laughs> and and dinosaurs, dinosaurs and dinosaurs zombies, dinosaurs, zombie dinosaurs, zombie dinosaurs. That's yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, what we need. Not enough zombies. Robot zombie dinosaurs. <laughs> robot robot steampunk zombie dinosaurs. Please make that happen. <laughs> oh yeah, Steamosaurus. <laughs> well, that that's a game right there, Steamosaurus Rex. Just run with that. <laughs> Someone make it happen. Uh, so to ra- start wrapping up, because we have been talking for almost two hours, uh, we do try and talk about the games we've all been playing. So, uh, Virgil, what, besides your own game, have you been playing lately? <laughs> Not Nothing. <laughs> that, you wouldn't be surprised. You'd be surprised at how common an answer that is. Because we, we, that's that's usually the answer we usually get from developers is you know, nothing else. Sadly, yeah, yeah. Sadly, that's the case. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time to play anything more than I, I look at. I look at a number of games just to evaluate them and see, hey, what's going on with that, or why was that popular? I waste a lot of money on some some AAA titles doing that. Um, you know, I never play the game. I just get it to explore it for 30 minutes and then there it goes. I don't have time to look. Well, at that's it. called playing it, isn't it? I mean, I get all these bundle games that I play for like 10 minutes and whatever. I was say, that's like my, that's like my playing habits, right? I was, like, was going to say, that's most of my sitting there on the desktop staring at me like yeah. guilty. I was going to say, that's most of my library. Like, Oh, I played that for a level or two. Next. What's next? Uh, so yeah. what would you say is the latest game you explored to use that terminology? Uh, well, the last one I actually took a serious look at was, um, and I, I tend to look at games outside of the genre I develop in. Um, there's lots of psychological reasons for that, good or bad, but that's what I do. So Just Calls is three, the last one that came out. Um, I actually sat down and played that one for a few hours uh, to see what the difference between three and two was. I re- I heard that it wasn't as good as two. That's what I heard. 
Um, yeah, the, the envi- they changed the environment, the dynamic of the of the islands and the story and what was going on. And um, they, they lost something in that. I think it's hard to put a finger on it. Um, mechanics wise, they added this wingsuit thing and it's an easier way to get around. I think they improved that, that incremental improvement on that mechanic, but, but yeah, it didn't have the sort of impact that just cause two did, which was an underappreciated game. I think it, 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 it had some marketing trouble when it was released and, but yeah, that was that's the last game I, I took a serious look at. I did look at Titanfall when that first came out, and that was a big waste of money for me. Um, like I said, I looked at it twenty minutes later. You know, had my tail handed to me in um, in multiplayer, and I like, oh, the okay, first I one or the second one. The first one, the first one. Oh, I okay, yeah. One, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, I didn't get any better in the second one. That's for sure. It, look, <laughs> look at the bottom of the list. That's where I'm at every game, <sighs> but I don't mind. Because so, I've just I've decided to just embrace the fact that I'm horrific at that game. <laughs> so, Jim, I guess you're not playing Titanfall two. What are you playing? Um, actually, well, I I have played some of that, and I've played uh, a little bit of the Call of Duty thing. Not near as much as Hunter has. Hunter's killed it off. Um, uh, I right. actually was messing around with uh, XCOM two. I'm digging that up out of my yeah. backlog. Did you get that co op mod? Did you get Did you get that co op mod? for it that they released no i didn't mess with the co-op mod i i read about it and it was just it was like yeah it's kind of there but it's not ready for prime time just yet so i was like okay i'll wait you know see what happens um but yeah it's i, I don't know i got shen's last gift which lets you actually have like cyborg dudes in in your thing now and it's just like okay now it's time it's time to play this thing um messing around with a little bit of that um screwing around with Alboy, like a tiny bit haven't haven't got very that game is, is like a love letter to the zelda games i think which, wait, which game it's owl boy is like oh owl 10 boy. Years it, in it, the making. it channels super nintendo really hard yeah it sure does i mean well I, they started development when the super nintendo was new i think <laughs> that game's been over 10 years being made so that that's a they've got a lot of endurance as, as developers that's for damn sure See, so yeah, I've been messing around with that. I picked up the uh, the expand alone for Ashes of the Singularity, oh, which is, is that? interesting. Um, it, 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 well, they, it puts a campaign on it that's a little better than the previous thing. Um, I don't feel a huge difference in the gameplay or anything, but it's it's a more interesting, like ease you into it kind of scenario thing because um, it goes into the distant past, like the very first AI and the the first post humans. You know, back when there was like only seven of them and one of them went rogue and you have to go shut him down. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not super far into it. I'm going to I'm going to continue to get stomped by the computer in the thing because I've fired up some skirmishes after I played some of the single player stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> that's so, uh, um, that's escalation. Sorry, that's Ashes of the Singularity Escalation, I think it's called. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing, uh, sp- speaking of escalation, so this is exactly what happens, right? I'm doing good. And then at some point I have too much stuff and my brain can't handle it. I feel like I'm playing AI war. Basically. It's just like, I've got so much crap everywhere and I can't keep track of stuff. And I'll have like a whole army get wasted and I didn't even notice, you know, cause it's like, I was over trying to build something and that, and I blinked and I look and then it's like, Oh my guys all, you know, are like three quarters dead already over there. Oops. So yeah, it's a, it's a game that 
demands a lot of split attention. That's for sure. Uh, Hunter, what about uh, you? What have you been playing? Um, as Jim mentioned, I finished uh, the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Uh, I've really enjoyed the campaign on that a lot. A lot of people thought it was just boring and dull and whatever, but I personally enjoyed it. But I saw you me. were I saw you were in it again, right? Did you go back? From, um, like, we had and stuff. We had a bunch of people over the other night, and so I was doing a Steam stream over into the Shield in the living room on on like the projector with the big sound system in there. And it was like even cooler playing in, in that. So, oh, you got um, one of those so jolly. Oh wait, no, I got one too. Yeah, you got one of the tablets though. I got I got the console. I, oh, I is, that, is, be is that is that the new one? Is that the new? Uh... No, it's the new old one. It's the. the I mean, it's been around for like two years. I don't have they updated the thing. It's, it's there, still there the is K1. there is a. I think there's like a version two of the K one or whatever. And I think that's the one you got. Because uh, they they're not making like the version one of the K one. Uh, oh, okay. It, essentially, it's the the new Nintendo that's coming out. Yes, as a matter of fact, probably the same guts. As a matter of fact, it's it's Nvidia and Nintendo are teaming up together, and uh, it's oh. gonna it's essentially gonna be a Nintendo Shield almost. Um, but anyway, so I did play uh, Infant Warfare, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Saturday, um, my buddy picked up. Supreme Commander 2, because it was like a buck fifty or something like that on uh, Humble Bundle. So yeah. he picked, and it was like in their store, I guess. So he picked that up, and uh, we decided to do some skirmishes against the AI and got our asses handed to us. Um, is the is game, this Supreme Commander 1 or 2? Two? 2. This is Supreme Commander okay. 2. Now, there's mods, there's mods for the game that make it like really cool, but... Um, since I've really not played the vanilla game, I really kind of wanted to get into the vanilla game some. So Supreme Commander 2 ended up being um, being really interesting because the AI is, like, way more... For, for a normal AI, is a little bit more aggressive than what we were used to with, with playing Supreme Commander 1. So uh, it was um, delightfully challenging, even though we lost. It was still kind of one of those, like, well, looks like we're just going to have to get better. So uh, yeah, I listened to Chris Taylor talk about that thing at length right like just the the way it all came about and uh he was on uh the three moves ahead podcast like a year ago talking about it and then that inspired me to come home and install it and screw around with it but he was talking about like yeah we learned all these things um and then you know put it all in supreme commander 2 you know so we made we refined all this stuff and the things that we discovered about gameplay and that and we made this so much better game that everybody hated yeah and so that's what was interesting though because things are in awkward p- places right so instead of instead of upgrading like your command center to level 2 to be able to like build level 2 stuff you have to build like a research thing and then like research higher level crap and I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm not so sure. I, I liked the way that system kind of worked, with like because you have to like get up upgrade points and all this other crap. Um, so anyway, but um, other than that, the other game I'm playing, of course, is Eve Online. Since it's now free to play again, there's more people right. going. So I mean, I'm still I'm still a sub to to Eve, but. Um, I do I do play with some of the community members over at XP Gamers a lot, and so we've got a little alliance that we formed. 
So that's kind of fun. Uh, if you Space Game Junkie people want to like come hang out with us, you're more than welcome to join in. I'm sure Brian and uh, Jim might do the same. Yeah. yeah. Have you had any interaction with Captain Shack over there yet? Uh, briefly. Yeah. He seems like a pretty cool guy. I watched a he's, Let's Play thing that he was doing on uh, on like X, the light lit cube mod for X. He's um yeah he's really cool he but he's like real he's really busy though that's the thing like he yeah. he's got a lot of videos he's got to pump out and a lot of content that he does on top of just all this other stuff so I mean he's like he's there but he's usually not uh, pretty vocal unless he's like playing with the community so mm-hmm. um other than that I really haven't been playing too much I've had. Since last podcast, it's been like a really busy week. A lot of a lot of mm. crazy things kind of came up over this week. So, right. Well, I guess. What about you, up, Brian? Well, to wrap up for me, I put some more time into Homefront: The Revolution and got some DLC. So I'm working on getting there. Um, I'm only about nine hours in, but I, God damn it, I'm gonna liberate Philadelphia. See, Brian's <laughs> gonna turn into a prepper, right? He's gonna God. be like one of those guys <laughs> on the Discovery Channel. If only the weapons in real life were as easy to modify as they are in Homefront. Um, yeah, have but, you have you ordered any shipping containers yet? And <laughs> no. Considered welding them together into a house? And, no, no, no. There's no room to do that out here. Uh, dried beans. <laughs> there's no room to do that out here. Uh, but most of my gaming time when I'm not working on the blog. Uh, by the way, Warfleet is great, y'all. As uh, I'm back in Skyrim. I mean, the special edition just, I mean, I'm not playing the special edition. I'm playing my heavily modded vanilla version. But yeah, I've, I put almost five hours into Skyrim in the last like week or two. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, they've figured out how to get most of the old mods working in the new thing. I'm a lot sure of them, the a lot is. of them are back, um, but a lot of the mods that I'm I'm really integrate in, into are not there yet. And the big ones like Filescar and Worms Tooth, which add all these big, huge things of custom content, they're not going to work with the special edition ever. So uh, that's a real damn shame. Mm. So I'm, I'm just, I've just been tooling around in Skyrim, just randomly finding stuff and following quests. Oh, and Elder Scrolls Online, I've been having a lot of fun with that lately. I'm in the Orsinium DLC, uh, which is just a blast. V- very challenging, very challenging. So lots of Elder Scrolls lately. Uh, if there's have one you, thing, have you that, um, good. Uh, have you spent any more time on Shadow Warrior? A little bit, um, not much because I'm just I I need a break from their horrible upgrade system. It just drives me so batty that I'm just like I need to I need to step away for now because it's so so bad. Their upgrade system. Mm. It's like I'm 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 just debating not even bothering using it anymore it's like it's just like i got a million things there's no way really to sort them by any way and none of this makes sense uh yeah it's 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 a terrible upgrade system so i've i've taken a little break from that it's not a bad game it's just you get so many bits of you get so many baubles they really are baubles that you could add to your guns and your swords and your chainsaws and things and they all do something a little bit different and there's really so is it like no- it's got sockets and you you can stick yeah. like two widgets yeah. in it. Yeah, oh, but so but only certain I'm bits empty. go on certain types of weapons. So like, oh, I could put this thing on. Oh, I'm not using that chainsaw anymore. I got a chainsaw, but the chainsaw already has three baubles on it. 
Okay, how do I figure out which bobbles to use? Oh, I've got 80 million bobbles that'll work on the chainsword now. Uh, I, ju- I just, I just can't deal with it. So yeah, there should be a button for like put the best things in. Yeah, optimum build. Just this is the best things I have. Put it on. I wish it would do that because the sort the the UI to f- go through all that is maddeningly obtuse. Yeah, so this this <sighs> is a thing that's very interesting about Final Fantasy Online. Final oh, Fantasy really? fourteen. Yeah, Joan and I have been playing some of that. Right. Um, you whenever you switch classes, it drops all your gear because you know it's like a wizard can't wear the stuff that a fighter does. So that now you're naked, right? But there's a button in the UI that's like equip my best stuff, and it just picks your stuff out of your inventory and smacks it on your dude. And it's like you, you that know, makes no, so much no brain sense. cells required. Yeah, that makes see, so, it's, it's, it's just finally just... refined all that. Oh, really? Like it? Like they used to have like the, like it used to be like one of those things where it's like um. All right, so I'm reading this website and it says I need to fit this, this, and this. All right, well I got to go buy it all, and then I need to like make sure I can use it. Well, now it's just like you ex- you can like import a fit and then just go to like a major trade hub and say buy all this shit and put it together and let me fly it. And now they've added in like they're adding in like a test realm. Like what? You used to have to like go to the test server to do that. Like holy crap. So you actually like grab a ship that you can't even afford and smack a bunch of stuff on it and then dream a little bit like, okay, this is what I want to work toward. I'm not entirely sure. All I know is like they're adding in like a like test your build kind of like element. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And dude, this weekend we must put some time into MechWarrior Living Legends. Yeah. I've, I've been in there. I've been playing it. And I'm finding out that I'm probably worse at that than I am at Titanfall. And it's Ooh. it's a terrible embarrassment to me because it's an actual MechWarrior game. And I, I'm not allowed to suck at that because, you know, I'm supposed to be godlike at this thing. Time, time, time to get game. good, dude. I know, right? Like, I don't <laughs> understand why I'm taking such a beating in there. But it's, it's yeah, it's intense. All right. Well, t- let's wrap this up because uh, we've been talking for about two hours. Um, Vir- Virgil? Where can folks find you and your stuff online? Be, beyond Steam, I mean. Uh, knucklecracker.com. That's, that's, that's where you go and everything's off of there. Or if you go over to Apex, you take a right at the Walmart. You can. And then yeah. go down. No. Yeah, Target, actually. But yeah. Target. Okay. There's no Walmart? I'm sorry, I forgot. It's, no, it's an upscale community. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's Target. I see. <laughs> No, you go up to Durham, it's Walmart. Oh, really? I don't know anything about uh, Dur- Durham's an interesting town um, it, because it's it's like, you know, some, some towns have like the good side and the bad side, but Durham, it's like every other block is is like, this is this is the good block and that's the yeah, bad block really over there. Hard. It's weird how they did their, their like urban renewal thing. Was, but they uh, one thing, Brian. I think you would be just fascinated with is the tobacco campus over there, what? because it used to be it's these old brick tobacco factories, right? And then of course the tobacco business went out, so they've got these historic buildings. Well, they can't rip them down, so they're like, "What are we going to do?" So they turned them into basically uh, pretty nice apartments. They're kind of swank, actually. Um, so yeah, it's like I had a buddy that lived over in in that, and um, it's it's almost. It, it's a like a gated community inside of a factory. It's the freakiest thing. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they and they took these old. It, it's like old brick. You know, you're from Philly, right? Like, think factory. Yeah. 
It's it's a yeah. factory. It's a big brick factory building. And then you go inside and there's like swank apartments in there. Interesting. So it's like not not just a gated community, but a bricked in it's like, community. It's like post industrial hipster is what's going on. Yeah. And there's money in that part of town now. So, you know, it's like yeah, it's not like economy it's, living or anything. Well, it's one extra wall to protect them from the apocalypse, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so knucklecracker.com, yeah, because I see your forum and your blog and everything is there, and you have a link to the Twitter on the bottom. All right. Uh, so, Virgil, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about not only Particle Fleet, but your entire series of games, because, folks, it's good stuff. Um, Particle Fleet especially is what I have the most time with, but it is good stuff. There's a lot of love here. There's a ton of content. I mean, and the two... Uh, the original two games, the first two games are coming out on Steam as we record this tomorrow, but by the time you hear this on the MP3, they'll be out. Um, but yeah, the first one has what, 5,000 maps? Did you say? 5,000 um, yeah, maps? Uh, yeah, it's thousands. It's, I think oh my it's God. Yeah, I Oh my God. Oh my God. There's no so, way. So, what would you say? How many hours of gameplay would you say is there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, years worth. I mean, 5,000. I mean, yeah, that's a lot. You'd be a certified expert at it. Yeah. <laughs> basically um, you'd have to retire and play it sounds like you'd have to retire and play for the rest of your life to even get close to playing all the content yeah there's there's no way to play them all it's, it, 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 it virtually be impossible it'd be a full-time job it would take a very long time that's that's pretty goddamn amazing um but yeah so folks uh particle fleet emergence is the space game uh oh shadow dragon uh people make the maps um the games have map editors like Particle Fleet. Um, they have map editors and all that. So there's lots of user-generated maps plus random map, random skirmish generators. So, so much, so much content. Holy crap, so much content. So the space game is Particle Fleet Emergence, but there are also three Creeper World games that were released before it. And apparently Particle Fleet takes place somewhere in between the billions of years between Creep World 2 and 3. It's, it's, do you have like a whiteboard or a Bible with all this stuff on it? <laughs> I, I, I do. I do actually have, a, have an outline. Uh, That's... Nobody's ever seen it. Never will, but... <laughs> Probably a good idea. But uh, yeah, so the game we're focused on here is Particle Feed Emergence, but there are three other games beside it, so check them all out. Next week on the show, we're uh, talking mods. We're going to have the uh, creator... I guess creator, developer of the Sins of the Prophet mod for Sins oh, of a Solar yeah. Empire. Now, the Sins of a Solar Empire just got a big update. Uh, Rebellion just got a big update, so I'm wondering if it breaks the mod. We'll have to find out. Hopefully not. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk to uh, the developer of that next week. Um, just a couple of programming notes. Uh, Thursday, folks, we're going to be by request playing Interstellar Rift. Uh, oh, God, I forget his name. Oh, but a gentleman who's a frequent on the Discord server has been... Yeah, something to Sunflower. Something like that has been begging us to play Interstellar Rift, so we're going to be and playing apparently that. apparently he knows there's... how to play it. He might yeah. actually should. It's a good it game. Be. It's a good game. It's just there's so many games to play, but it's a good game. Uh, so we're going to be playing that on Thursday. And then next Thursday, not only is there no game of the week, but we're not playing anything on Thursday because it's Thanksgiving week. So we're kind of mostly taking the week off except for the podcast. So, uh, Virgil, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, everyone else, 
Um, just a couple last things. Please subscribe on YouTube or to the podcast if you haven't already. I usually don't say that um, because I don't like begging. It feels like begging. But if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the YouTube channel and the podcast, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it because we all Hit work that hard. like button. Yeah, we all work hard on this on this stuff. So so please just if take a moment to subscribe. That's and that's probably the last you'll let me ask for at least another six to eight months. Uh, so I'll be asking next week. Don't worry about it. I I try not to. I was watching a video series on learning JavaScript. At the end of every episode, he said, "Please like and subscribe the channel or whatever." I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that at the end of every... Alright, junkies, please like and subscribe this video. Share it with all your friends. Yes, yeah, yes. No, most of those guys actually start the video with that. It's like, hey, we're going to do a show, but before then, hmm. yeah, click that like button. I, I, just, me, I just don't yeah. feel right doing that like all the time. We'll do it for you. That's cool. Oh, okay. I guess if you feel better about it... I'll be your hype man. Please. <laughs> feel like, I, like at the beginning of the show, I'll just like rise up out of the stage and be like yo yo space game you know you'll come out with those uh those confetti cannons or the t-shirt guns just be like Whoomp. yeah totally man we get some <laughs> we get some of the the uh yeah i've got like six uh, google the, accounts who, who are the hurricane happen. girls the, oh god i don't remember i know the, what you're talking the, about the, i can't yeah. remember Anyway, folks, we're going off on a crazy ass tangent now, so we're gonna we're gonna cut this now. But, folks, thank you so much for listening, and if you do subscribe, thank you so much for that. And we will see you on Thursday and next week with another podcast. And again, thank you for listening and watching. And I uh, hope you all have a great night. If we don't talk to you, have a great Thanksgiving. Bye. 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 Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Do a thing. <laughs> Desert skies, you're 